I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach. And today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing a very, very important topic, especially in today's day and age. We're going to be talking about self-care. Now, this is something that is very, very important because very often we don't take care of ourselves. We instead focus on all the goals that we set for ourselves in life. We focus on others. Sometimes we're caregivers for others. But how do we take those moments and focus on self-care and understand why self-care is so important? So for today's podcast, we have Roberta Hughes, who's an expert on understanding the concept of self-care. So Roberta, welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ashton. It's wonderful to be here. My absolute pleasure. Roberta, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes. So I live in Denver, Colorado, and I have been here since 2005. And I started self-care really when I became a mother because it was so important to find the time for myself so that I could show up for my children. And I've been teaching yoga, meditation, and Pilates throughout my adult life. So for about the last 20 years. Wow. And, you know, I, you hit an, a very important point, especially when you become a parent. The concept of self-care changes dramatically, right? Because you're, you're torn now between your kids and the things that you have to do. How did you become aware of self-care being important and bringing it back into your life? So... My ex-husband worked all of the time. He was in the military and I was mostly a single parent and the days were so long all by myself. So I was exhausted. I needed to figure out a way to make time for myself and not try to push it to the end of the day because at the end of the day, I would fall into bed and hope to get sleep if my children were sleeping. So it was really a necessity to filter things in throughout the day rather than trying to find a full day to myself or time at the end of the day. You know, you said something so important, which is that you were trying to find a full day or you were trying to make up for not having done the self-care or hopefully you might get some time in the evening. What are some of the mistakes people make when going down this journey or not realizing that, that, that they need self-care? I think the biggest mistake is trying to find big blocks of time because in our busy lives, we never will have that big block of time. And then we'll keep saying, well, next week I'll do it or tomorrow I'll do it. And tomorrow and next week never come and we've still not taken the time for ourselves. I took a yoga retreat um, in 2003. And in that retreat, they talked about making an investment in your spiritual bank account. And they said that one minute a day was better than 30 minutes a month in regards to meditation mostly, but I've tried to apply that to most of the things that I do in life. You know, you said something so important. One minute a day is more important than 30 minutes a month. Don't try and squish everything together, but instead yes. build that consistency in throughout every single day. Yes. Right? I think that that's a key takeaway from that. Consistency and repetition really help the brain become familiar with what you're trying to add in. So the more the more familiar your brain is, it becomes a habit, which is what you're all about is building new habits. Absolutely. Apart from, you know, trying to chunk everything together, are there any other mistakes that people make when, you know, not focusing on themselves? Why don't people focus on themselves? Why is self-care such a difficult thing? I think another mistake is that people think of self-care as something that costs a lot of money. So they mm. think they have to go somewhere and get a massage. They have to go get a manicure. They have to go on a vacation. 
And again, those things take a lot of time to plan and a lot of time out of your normal life to be able to do them and a lot of financial resources that a lot of people don't have. So they'll think, well, I just can't afford to do those things. So I'm not going to even try. So as a result, they think it's too expensive. No point trying it out at at all. Too expensive. Yes. Too expensive. Where, Where do you think people should start? Or is there a breaking point? And then you realize that people start this. How do people realize that now it's important for me to take care of myself? I think there is a breaking point. Either they get sick or their stress level becomes so high that they're not sleeping very well. Those seem to be the two most common. Or they get an injury and they're forced to slow down. And during that time, they have time to reflect and see how they want their lives to be when they're able to get back to normal. The pandemic is a perfect example of that. Do you see people actually slowing down in the pandemic? I've seen people speed up like crazy. Since we've been able to get back, I see people speeding up and trying to catch up. But during the pandemic, during quarantine, people had to slow down and there was a lot of resistance. So it really showed how much people are just used to being on the go and active. But over time, even the people who were resistant in the beginning felt like, okay, if this is how things are going to be, I I can do this. There is resistance, right, to self-care. There is a lot. I think sometimes people think that self-care is selfish, that Mm. making time for yourself is a selfish thing to do, especially when your family needs attention, your job needs attention, your relationships need your attention. I think that is so critical, right? Self-care equal to selfish. How do we break that paradigm? How do we break that connection in our minds? I encourage people to... Again, just try moving themselves to the top of their planner at least once a day. And even if it is for five minutes, do something just for yourself to nourish your creativity, to inspire you, to help restore your energy so that you can be better in all of the roles of your life. You know, whenever I tell people to slow down or take these moments off, many a times they say that, you know, I can't afford it. Right. I have to push. I have to be, you know, extra, you know, go hard, go home. If I take five minutes off, it's going to go. I'm going to lose out. How do you combat that mindset? You can't afford not to take the time because your body is only designed to run, run, run for so long and it will bottom out. And you never know how long that will take. But I I can almost guarantee that people who don't take time for themselves feel overwhelmed, they're not sleeping, and they're unhappy. If not all three, at least one of the three are true. Yeah. Overwhelmed, unhappy, right? This happiness is critical. So And what not some... sleeping. Oh, and not, not sleeping. sleeping. That's a big one. <laughs> yes. That was that was this, the thing that I used to do when as well. I used to say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And it nearly killed me not sleeping. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. So Roberta, what are some of the things that you tell people to start off with? Or how do you start off on this journey of self-care and understanding that is important? And where do you begin? The simplest thing is the breath. The breath is always with us. And when you connect to your breath, your thoughts subside and you automatically feel better. If you pay attention to the inhale and you pay attention to the exhale, even just for that one breath, it will alter how you feel in the moment. This breath is something that, you know, is spoken about, like, like you said, you, you teach yoga, 
Pilates, etc. The breath is a very important tool that is used in these practices. How do you yes. connect with it? You know, there's I can I can intellectually understand connect with the breath, but how do I actually physically do it or put it into practice? Would you like me to guide you so oh, you can please. give it a try? Yes. Okay. You can close your eyes or keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. On your next inhale, just follow the inhale through your nose, through your throat, and notice how deep it goes into your body. Now, as you exhale, follow the exhale up and out with your attention. And just continue to notice the natural rhythm of your breath as you inhale and as you exhale. And if you'd like, you can take a cleansing breath. Take a big inhale. Fill your body as full as you can. And as you exhale, use the muscles of your body to squeeze out every last drop of breath. Now let your natural breath return and notice it. You can open your eyes. Do you feel any difference? Lovely. Your face looks more relaxed. (laughs) Doesn't it? It It does. (laughs) It's all about that awareness of what is happening in your body, right? We breathe so many times a day, but we don't Mm -hmm. focus on how we are breathing. It's part of autonomic nervous system, right? It just happens. Yes. This is that moment of actually stopping, pausing and noticing it. Yes, following it with your attention. That's the most important part. Follow the breath with your intention. Notice the inhale. Notice the exhale. And there are pauses in between. So there are actually four parts to the breath. Whenever your mind is connected to one of those four parts, it has this calming effect on the body because the thoughts subside. The thinking mind gets to rest. Do you ever get too calm? Do I ever get too calm? No, um, I actually do struggle with anxiety and stress, just like everybody else. Um, But because I put these little droplets of practice throughout my day, my body is more adept to settle into that place. Like even just preparing for this podcast, I was bustling around. I was a little stressed. I was a little nervous. But I have this little breath called the birthday candle breath. And that's what I do to kind of let go of the nerves. What is that breath? (laughs) So I'll have you do it. Take a big inhale. Okay. And then purse your lips like you're going to blow out birthday candles. And keep blowing them out until your lungs are completely empty. And then let your natural breath return. And you can use as much force as you'd like. But when I'm really nervous, I do that three to five times. And then just take a little pause so it, it kind calms of resets. You down. It, 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 it resets you yes uh-huh yeah, interesting so so how would you then make this breath awareness this breathing awareness a part of your daily practice like where would you put it in your daily practice I think the best place to start would be at a time of day when you're taking a pause anyway either you're having breakfast you're having your morning coffee you're having your lunch maybe it's right before dinner set a timer. I love using timers because then it knows, your brain knows that something is taking care of the time and decide, do you want 30 seconds? 30 seconds is a good place to start. And for those 30 seconds, maybe close your eyes, soften your gaze, look at one object, because when you narrow your lens, you release your attention from other things and bring your attention more inward so that you can follow your breath. And then just do some of the techniques that we just tried. Follow it with your attention. Follow the attention. And whenever you're nervous, the birthday candle breath. The birthday candle breath for nerves. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a 
quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. So focusing on your breath is a great starting point in understanding self-care. Yes. How, how would you then progress this? What would, what would be some of the other things that you would add to your self-care routine? The next thing that I have been an advocate of is called digital peace. All because right. we are on a screen or in front of a screen most of the day, especially since the pandemic. So many people are still working from home on Zoom calls like you and I are now. So again, choose an amount of time. Maybe you start with five minutes where you put your cell phone. I used to call it for my children, the cell phone parking lot. <laughs> so all of our electronics would go in the parking lot for 30 minutes when they were small. And we would do things that did not require digital stimulation. That digital stimulation keeps your brain busy and it keeps it active. So to give your brain a rest, you really do need to put it in the parking lot, do something with your hands, do something that does not require you to be in front of a screen. Roberta, give me some examples. Now, I know people are listening to this and saying that if I don't have any electronics, I will be bored. What will I be doing? Right? You're telling me no watching TV, no computer, no phone. All of these are? Yes. So what do I do? <laughs> no, no, no. It sounds like a, a, a mother, right? You can't do that. <laughs> um, so some other things to do would be working with your hands, okay. uh, journaling, writing down things that are in your brain, um, getting them down on paper. If you don't like to write, maybe you like to make things, um, coloring. There are so many adult coloring books now coming out for the specific reason of using your hands. We don't use our hands to create. You might like to cook. So you could go make a snack. You could get yourself in the kitchen, make a cup of tea. You could get outside, walk in the grass, walk in nature. So those are my go-to activities. And do you do all these every day or do you do, do you sprinkle them across the week? How would you choose these activities? The non-electronic electronic ones? I do them every, I don't do all of them every day, but I journal every day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll make time for coloring at the end of the day to help quiet my brain. I get out for a walk every single day. I make my afternoon tea every single day. I, I've created rituals around these habits and that has allowed me to just make them part of my life. So I encourage people to choose one thing that they're going to start building as a habit and to keep repeating it until it just becomes part of what you do. And then you can add something else. Lovely. You know, we keep talking about this on the podcast as well, that your habit is that action that you do. When you string a couple of habits together, you get a routine, right? You do this, then you do this, you do this, right? You make your tea and do your breathing at the same time. So those two become a routine. But as soon as you put an emotion on this, it becomes a ritual. That means if you yes. if you miss it, now you have an emotional reaction to missing it or you have an emotional reaction to doing it. So I think yes. getting to that point of having that emotional reaction to these positive habits is very, very critical. Yes, I, I love that, that the emotion is what makes it a ritual. You know, that, I hadn't quite heard it that way before. Holding that cup of tea and you suddenly start feeling yes. warm and fuzzy. Yes. You know, that is that emotion that you that you crave technically when you're making that, that cup of tea for yourself. So that yes. is what you need to start figuring out. How do you put that in everything in your exercise routine? Right? How do you put emotion into that as well? Yes. And, you know, for me with yoga and Pilates, they're both mind-body practices. So 
emotion is deeply connected to the movement of our bodies. And when we start, again, paying attention to it the same way you would pay attention to your breath, you start to feel and have an emotional release because emotions get stored in your body as tension. And when you start to move and breathe and move the tension out of your body, you will have an emotional response. I'm sure you must be seeing this in yoga as well, right? People breaking down sometimes when they suddenly relax in a way that they haven't in a long, long time. Yes. um, It's not uncommon for someone to cry or even to get a little angry. We we store anger, especially in our hips. So if we do... Yes. Or when you do hip openers, suddenly people yes. get angry. No, I think yes. they're just stretching a little too hard. That's what, that's what it <laughs> you is. You think so? That's what you think. Okay. <laughs> I'll pay more attention next time and see. So that's interesting. So we store our anger in our hips. Yes. Oh, tell me a little bit more about that. So the hips um, are, are part of our meridian system. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the chakras and where different energy sources come from, the hips are intimately related to the liver. And the liver is where we store the emotion of anger. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So when we're yes. opening it up, we're releasing those feelings as well. Yes. Absolutely. So, all right. So we got our electronics. You you, you had designed a spot for your phone's for your children and your phones, I think that's a very good idea. Just park it away. Yes. Um, you can put it in a drawer somewhere, put it in airplane mode. I think that's a great way of doing it. And then figuring out something to do with your hands, something non-digital. Yes. You know, and when you were talking about the adult coloring books, my therapist just gave me a coloring book and I looked at it and I was like, why are you giving me this? <laughs> right? I failed art when I was in school. This is going to be PTSD all over again. I'm going to be traumatized by this. And like, no, no, just draw. And it, and it's strange, but actually as an adult, you appreciate the drawing very, very differently than you did as a kid, right? And yes. and you suddenly start remembering a brown crayon that you lost or strange things suddenly start coming up. I think it's a very interesting um, experiment in case, you know, the listeners haven't done this. Pick up a coloring book, pick up some crayons, try it out. I agree. And you said something really important about PTSD from being a child, because as children, I think we do compare ourselves to others. And when you're in school and there are the children who are wonderful artists and you're looking at your page and saying, I shouldn't even try, there's that comparison. And we bring that into our adult life and that keeps our confidence level down and it keeps us from really being connected to our authentic selves. So even if you just pick up the pen and stare at the page for the first time you do it, it's a step towards moving into uncharted territory. And you've discovered yourself that once you actually started, it wasn't this horrible experience. Instead, you started to release some of the things that were stored from your PTSD in the past, right? Absolutely. And you start getting epiphanies like, oh, wow. So so I found something very strange. I don't mind sharing this in the podcast. So while I was drawing, I suddenly realized that I am very stingy with the color that I use Mm -hmm. because I kept thinking my crayons are going to get over. And I have no idea where this thought has been planted in my head, you know, because it it is a mindset of lack that I suddenly come up when you're doing this drawing and you suddenly realize, oh, I've been holding this for such a long time. How do I now start releasing this idea? Because it's just a crayon. So what if it gets over? We'll just buy one more, right? But you hold on to it and and it stays in your head. So interesting. Yes. So I still remember the excitement of opening a fresh box of crayons and how beautiful they are, the smell of them. They, They look wonderful. And 
when you would be at the coloring table with other kids, there would be those short little nubby ones that nobody ever wanted, right? <laughs> so that's so funny that you're like, I don't want to create a short nub of my mm. crayon. I want to preserve it. I want to pre- I want the pretty box, right? I don't yes. want the used box. Absolutely yes. right. And, so and, I wonder and, if just by flipping the mindset that those nubs show the value of your commitment and time to artistry and connection. If that would be more of a prize to have a nub instead of this beautiful shiny crayon. So true. I remember I had an uncle who used to uh, read magazines for his work. And he says that I'm going to go home, but at the end of the day, all these magazines should look worn. That means I've used them properly, right? And that's that's the thing. You know, when you have something, wear it out, use it properly, just like the crayon. Yes. It's been a service. Absolutely. Lovely. So there's so many interesting things that you can do that we've forgotten about doing because of our phones and Instagram and YouTube and, and this, you know, whirlpool that we get sucked into. So discovering these things, I think, is very, very critical. Like you said, go for a walk, start coloring, start listening to music, different things that will help you. Just detaching yourself from these electronic devices. Brilliant. Yes. And move your body. You know, if you don't want to take up an exercise practice, find something that you love. Maybe just put on music and dance around your house if that's what brings you joy. Um, Movement has to speak to your heart. So trying something new, if you don't resonate with it, then try something else. Yeah, that's so interesting because since you are into yoga and Pilates and all of that, you would be uh, very kinesthetic in nature, right? Like your body would be a very important aspect of it. How do you take care of your body and, and self-care? And how do you bring, bring that to the table? So how do I take care of my body in order to be able to do yoga and Pilates? Oh, how is, or... uh, how is the body an important aspect of self-care? Like what are the aspects that you would you know focus on for the body in terms of self-care? Getting enough sleep because our mm-hmm. bodies need sleep in order to move in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, getting enough hydration. So water keeps our bodies healthy and moving and it moves lymph out of the body and some type of movement. Our bodies were meant to move. And as adults, we become more sedentary. And the more sedentary we become, the more the joints start to feel the pressure of sitting, the muscles become tighter, the tendons become tighter. So we become stiffer. And then when we try to move, it, it is painful. So the more you move and the more you balance out your movement, that's, I I try to make sure that I get well-balanced movement throughout the day because as adults, most of our movement is repetitive only in one direction. Mm -hmm. So we have to force ourselves into different ranges of motion on purpose to keep the health of the body, um, to give it longevity. Yes. You know, like for example, one one motion that is complete completely missing in our daily lives is reaching overhead. We hardly ever reach overhead anymore, right? Our phone is just in front of us. Our laptop is just in front of us. If you're cutting something, it's just in front of us. Yes. So reaching overhead, back bending, we don't bend backwards. Or zero. Even side bending, the only rotation we usually get is in the car if we're turning to reach. So okay, it's right. only in one direction. And where I've been really interested lately um, is... Our bodies need both flexion and extension, all of our joints to be healthy. So if you think about our hands being on a cell phone, our hands are always in flexion. Mm -hmm. So even just like making big stars with your hands and stretching them out, like feel feel how that feels. Like Mm -hmm. you can probably feel the tension just by making the hands big. 
Yeah, and, and when we are tense, we actually do grip things, right? We do. And we're in that uh, flex position all the time. Absolutely. And the things that you talked about, even cooking, cutting, drawing, still our hands are closed. So anything you can do to open them up. All right, super. So getting out of the digital world, getting back and understanding your body and all these various things is one other self-care tool that you can start doing. Do you suggest yes. uh, doing this multiple times a day? Do you suggest doing it at least once a day or once a day is enough for most people? How do you, how would you plan this? Begin with once a day and pick a time and a ritual or a habit. So a habit won't become a ritual until that emotion is there as we've just learned. So pick one habit and the same time of day, because then it's going to become routine. If you're used to doing it at that time, every single day, and then you'll begin to feel that emotional connection to it. What is it about this habit that is adding some benefit to your life? Awesome. I think a great place to start the electronic habit is at least at night before going to bed, that'll improve your sleep as well. So a minimum half an hour before that, if you do this, that's fantastic. Yes. Like you said, you can do your drawing at that point of time. You can do all of those things at that point of time. Yes. Fantastic. Super. What do we have next on our list? So, um, Meditation is next Ooh, on my list. Lovely. Tell us about meditation. <laughs> meditation scares people to death. That's Completely. what I have learned. <laughs> but if you go back to that breathing exercise that we did, that was meditation. Meditation does not mean you have to sit and try to empty your brain because that's not going to happen, especially not on your first try. Your brain is probably going to become more stubborn and more busy and resistant and you're going to experience all of that. So while that sounds miserable, like why would I want to try? It is a matter of redirecting your attention. So the moment you notice your brain wandering into thought, having the ability to say, I'm thinking, but here's the breath, or mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I'm going to look at this candle flame. Whatever it is that you want to bring your attention back to teaches the brain to come back. So the same way you would teach a, a new puppy a, how to behave, how to sit. It's that repetition. Just every single time you tell it to do it and it does it and you reinforce it, then it becomes sustainable for longer periods of time. Okay. So it is training that you have to put in. The repetition, repetition, repetition is what actually makes the difference. And, yes. And you're saying that people give up too soon because they realize that, oh, I can't do this. And then they just stop. Right. And they try to make, again, too, too big of a deal out of it. So they mm. think if I'm going to meditate, I'm going to have to meditate for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I just have to sit still and do nothing. And it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Um, again, I have these little Zen breaks that I do. So the birthday candle breath is one of my Zen breaks. It's anywhere from two minutes to five minutes. One minute would be a good start if you're really terrified. Um, and then listening to someone guide you. Having the guidance gives the brain something to focus on so the busyness becomes less. What are, what are Zen breaks? Zen breaks um, are what I call just short guided meditations. and guiding a person through, so directing them on how to look at the breath. We did this earlier together mm -hmm. and noticing different things. So maybe starting to notice sensation in the body, noticing emotions that might be with you, noticing the thoughts, like what is your brain wanting to think about? 
And the more familiar you become with what your brain wants to think about, the more you can say, okay, not now, let's, let's go back to the breath. And I like to encourage people to become playful with the practice of letting go of the thoughts, moving back to the breath. Because if you're too serious, if you're too focused on, I need to make this work for me, it puts a lot of pressure on you and it's not going to feel restorative or relaxing at all. Yeah. Very often we think that meditation is that sitting up straight, you have to have have your spine erect, you have to do this, you have to do that. And then you put these 25 rules on you. And now that you have 25 rules, you need a monitor to make sure that the person is taking care of those rules, right? And who's going to be your monitor for you? Your brain. So obviously you're going to start thinking and thinking and thinking, is my spine proper? Is my breathing proper? Is my attention yours? And and you're just setting yourself up for failure when you create all these rules for yourself. I think that is... The, the a stumbling block that people face when they start meditation practice. Yes. Like you said, it's about attention. And it is. Uh, and permission to just be, be mm. with your breath, be with the grass under your feet if you can get outside. Feel what's happening in that moment. And it will affect how you feel as you go back into the next part of your day. What are some of the things that people can put their attention on? You mentioned flame. Are there other mm-hmm. things that, that people can put their attention on as well? Sure. A flame, a sound, maybe a, a flower, a special object that has meaning to you, um, affirmations or words. If there's a word that really resonates with you or that you're trying to manifest, for example, in the middle of a really stressful day, maybe going into the next moment, you need confidence. So just focusing on that word. And we talked earlier about the artistry of coloring. You can use the same artistry through visualization. So you could close your eyes, see the word confidence, give it color, give it sound, give it a rhythm. The more you can add to these things that you bring your attention to, the more the brain starts to pay attention. And, you know, I just want to tell the listeners that these are absolutely fantastic techniques that you can use because what you're doing is you're giving your brain something to do. You know, very often when we think of meditation, it's like, oh, I'm giving my brain nothing to do. No, that's not what meditation is because then it's going to control you. It's going to go all over the place. It's going to jump around, right? It will. Yeah. So you need to give it something to do. And even the coloring of the word confidence yes. has such a, a a profound effect because you're just focusing on, all right, so now the C is going to be blue in color and the O is going to be, you know, and, and that's going to occupy your mind. So for those, yes. for that one minute, two minutes, or till your timer goes off, you're only focusing on one thought and that's what brings yes. it back down. Brilliant. And give that thought as much detail as you can. Like you, I just loved the second you started to say the sea is blue, like your whole demeanor softened because you were with that sea, you were with the blue. Yeah, you put you you have to give your all to these things, right? It is yeah. You can start off with being like, hey, okay, you know, sea is gonna be blue, red. But unless you actually, you know. Put yourself into it. Mm-hmm. It's not giving justice to what it is that you're doing. And if you do something, you might as well do it completely in 100%. Not well, and you add that emotion. So maybe blue has a special meaning to you because I mm-hmm. felt something the first time you said it, like the sea, it's blue. Maybe you're thinking of the ocean. I don't know what you're thinking of, but mm. you know, just this practice can take your mind into the creativity of building one word or bringing your attention back to one word and 
feeling it in your body. Absolutely. How can people get in touch with you? How can people continue this conversation with you? So I have a website. It's called Peaceful Living. Full has two L's and it's peacefulliving.com. I'm also on Instagram at Roberta underscore Peaceful Living. And I'm always available by email, by direct message on those formats. And I love to help people and give them ideas. So just like we spoke about today, you know, you brought up an idea and then I shared something that might be helpful. That's, that's where I am excited and have a lot of passion. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming. Love the conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a wonderful way to begin my day and for you, hopefully, to end your day. Absolutely. Now it is time for my nighttime routine as well. All right. (laughs) Superb. All right. So that was Roberta Hughes and we were talking about understanding self-care. Now, this was part one. Please make sure you listen to part two. It's going to be out shortly. Now, if you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am at Ashton Doc on Twitter and Instagram. We have a brand new habit coaching online course, quizzes, videos, and a lot more on the website awesome180.com. So check it out now.